so thankful to be in the house of the Lord today. And, uh, well, I guess we're watching some more white stuff come down. Maybe we needed to be reminded of the purity that the Lord gives us. And uh, that, that the, his blood washes away all of the sin in our lives and makes us whiter than that. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Today is a new series. And um, in this new series, we are going to be talking about the bread of life. Who is the bread of life? Now, I, I like bread. You like bread? Uh, I like bread too much, actually. Um, but Jesus Christ is the bread of life. He is the one that we go to for food for our soul. If we try to put other types of entertainment, activities, those types of things to feed our soul, we're going to walk away hungry. It doesn't fulfill the needs of our, our life. And so today we are going to talk about 38 years. Now, those that, uh, of us that know our Bible really well might know exactly where we're going today. Um, with that, but we're going to start by, in this series, by talking about the man at the pool of Bethesda and what happened after that. And then the lesson after that is that we are going to talk about being fed. Talk about being fed bread and fish. And then we're going to find out all about the miraculous walking on the water. You know what? This, this series is talking about and helping us realize just who Jesus is. He came to fulfill a, a, a specific purpose. And in that lesson, and then the last lesson of the quarter, the fourth one, will be the bread of life and talking about just exactly what he does for us. But the pool of Bethesda. In John chapter 5 and verse 36, our focus verse, Jesus says, But I have greater witnesses than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me, that the Father hath sent me. Jesus is making a determination. He is trying to let the Jews know who he is and why he is here at this time. Um, the truth that we're going to focus on is that Jesus is God in flesh. He was God manifested in flesh on this earth. And the truth I need to pick up and learn from this lesson is I will be witness, a witness and testify that Jesus is who he said he is. Do we have the opportunity to share with others just exactly who Jesus is? I hope so. 
Let's pray for a moment, and then we'll dive in to this. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be here in your house and feel your presence and worship you and listen to your word. And Lord, help us to walk away with the right words today that we can share exactly who you are with those around us that you put in our lives. And we give you glory in the name of Jesus Christ. 38 years, 38 years ago, in January, just a few days ago, 38 years ago, there was um, a terrible accident. The Challenger was set to go up. And there was to be, for the very first time, a teacher on that flight of the Challenger. A teacher in space program. She was supposed to teach two lessons from space. And she had worked so hard to gain that spot, competing for it, being able to have the opportunity. And her experience in the Challenger itself lasted for just over one minute. 38 years ago. And then not too long after that incident, in Russia, there's a horrible accident, and Chernobyl blows up and kills several people. But the aftermath of Chernobyl killed thousands and thousands of people. And to this day, you can visit, but you have to be dressed in a special suit, and you can't be there for more than five minutes. Does that tell you 38 years later how bad that accident was and the effects that it had? That same year in London, they opened the Phantom of the Opera. And it ran for... 13,629 performances. Can you imagine? Wow. Talking about all of the things that happened in that one year. Now, those are a lot of things that devastated our country. And then that Phantom of the Opera ended in 2020. Did COVID shut it down? Possibly. It doesn't really say. And I couldn't find a place that, that talked about why that incident was shut down. But 38 years, if we are living life, disappears real quickly. Because we just go from day to day to day to day and the things that we need to do. That's, we just keep rolling through our days. Because we have this set plan for our lives. So 38 years ago was 1986. And 38 years from now will be 2062. 
And the world has changed quite a bit in 38 years. Listen to this. This was, this was, I thought this was amazing. The world has changed quite a bit in 38 years. Ronald Reagan was president of the United States. Gasoline was 86 cents a gallon. Can you imagine? Whoa, yeah, a lot of places. Not that it was everywhere. And a new modestly priced house was $92,000. Can you imagine? $92,000. And the annual median salary was just under $30,000. That was just 38 years ago. And look where we're at now. Hmm. Amazing. But for someone with a disability that is unable to take care of himself, has to be helped with everything, 38 years is a really long time. The man at the pool of Bethesda. Now, who knows why, for sure, why he was there. We really don't know why he was there at the pool, except that he was lame. What caused him to be lame? I don't know. If you've uh, been on the Internet and watched the show Chosen, they, they, they do give an incident of why that, that he was... But in Scripture, there is no reason why he's lame. And so after 38 years, he had lost his hope. Well, first he lost his strength to do anything for himself. And then he lost hope. Let's not lose our hope. We cannot, cannot lose our hope. Now, Jesus had just gotten done, if we can look at the book of John as a chronological, we had just gotten done with Jesus meeting the Samaritan at the well. And before that was his first miracle in Canaan of Galilee, where he turned water into wine. He started with his mother's help. He started doing the work of his father. Although reluctantly at first, you remember? Uh, what? What do I have to do this for? It's not time for me to do this. And then he turns around and tells the servants to do to go fill the pots with water and then take him to the governor of the wedding feast. So it didn't take him very long to turn around in his thought, but he wasn't intending to start yet. But we're progressing really quickly here in time. And when he goes to Jerusalem with his disciples, now wouldn't you think you would want to go to See the temple. Now, it wasn't Solomon's temple, but 
it was rebuilt as similar as they could get it. Not as large, but yet it wasn't, maybe it, was, maybe it had gone through and gotten to be Herod's temple. But wouldn't you think when you're coming to town, you're going to go see something like that? Because it's beautiful. And, and it, it's, it's where the, you would worship God. You're going to go there in just a little bit for feasts and prayer and, and that. You're, you're not going to go, but he didn't go there when he came into Jerusalem. He didn't go see the Roman um, buildings that were there and see the pomp and circumstance of the Roman soldiers because they were very disciplined. And you, I mean, kind of like in, in, in our day, we would watch a parade of soldiers in step. Or you go to the, the gates of Buckingham Palace and watch the guards there. And maybe you would go up to them and try to make them smile or something. I, I've heard that they're just stoic. They don't, they don't make... They don't move, they don't make facial expressions. But no, Jesus did not go there either to see the sights that you would see. Maybe, now this wasn't his first time in Jerusalem, but maybe as an adult this might have been one of his first times in Jerusalem. And his disciples may not have ever been there. But no, he took them to a place that was full of the sick, the lame, those that needed help, those that needed somebody to do for them. And the scripture says in John chapter 5 that he walked up to the man. Maybe he had been there the longest. Now, why were they there? The pool of Bethesda was known as the place to be if you had an ailment, if you were sick, if you had needs in your life. Because at unknown times, it was known to be that an angel would come and stir the water. And when the water was stirred, the first one in the pool Walked away whole. And so for 38 years, he had been watching whenever it happened. Now, I don't know if it was just once a year. The Bible doesn't say how often it happened. But if it was once a year, that's a long time to wait. But even if it was periodic times, kind of like, you know, we don't actually really know when we're going to have, you know, earthquakes or things like that. They, they shock us. Whereas other natural disasters, there's warning to them. At least a little bit of warning. But earthquakes, just they just happen. You could be doing anything. And so the stirring of the water happened whenever it happened. And you had to be the first one there. And so Jesus walks up to the man who had laid there for 38 years. He was a fixture. He had been there so long, he had become a fixture. 
Now, was he far away from the pool or was he pretty close to the pool? I, I don't know where he was. But Jesus walked up to him and asked him a question. Wilt thou be made whole? Would you like to be well? Well, you should ask an eagle if an eagle wants to soar. You could ask a cheetah, do they want to run? And why did Jesus ask a man who had been disabled for 38 years if he wanted to be well? Of course he wanted to be well. If we were suffering something for 38 years, would we want to be well? I'm sure. But if we had lost our strength and we had lost our hope and we were stuck in this routine, I get stuck in routines. And we get stuck in the place of feeling what we feel. Dealing with what we deal with. And so Jesus, I believe, needed to ask the man, what? Do you really want to be well? And what did the man say? Because I think he was stuck in a I think he was stuck in a pattern, in a routine. He said, I don't have anybody to help me in the water when it's stirred. That wasn't an, that didn't answer that question. It was an excuse of why he had been there for 38 years. Not do you want to be well. Would we have said, of course I want to be well. I don't want to be like this anymore. That's what the Lord wants us to say. He wants us to trust that when he speaks to us, he's going to meet our need. Trust him. That he's going to meet the need. So Jesus said to him, after he made his excuse, he said, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. That's John 5 and 8. Now, do you remember what day of the week it was? It was the Sabbath. Now, that first big miracle that a lot of people saw was a wedding feast and wasn't interfering with any law. Matter of fact, it was making things better. But now, this miracle, now the, there, there was a miracle at the well in Samaria. 
and a woman found out that she could have water that wasn't out of Jacob's well, but water that would feed her soul. And she told everyone what Jesus had done for her. But in Israel, there hadn't been another really big miracle yet that a lot of people had seen. And there is a faux trial that is going to happen here. Because when the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the Jews, found out, didn't take very long, well, they didn't go to the pool of Bethesda, but somebody that walked by told them what happened at the pool of Bethesda. And all of a sudden, they're going to go find out what's going on. Hey, what, what happened here? And they saw the man that was leaping for joy, carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. Who did this? I don't know. He just told me to get up, pick up my bed and walk. And after 38 years, I did it. If I had been laying there for 38 years, I don't think I could have gotten up that easy. You? <laughs> no. But Jesus, when he gets involved in a situation it can immediately be turned around. It doesn't matter how long it's been happening. God can deliver us from whatever is happening in our lives. Jesus really does care. And many times, those things that hang around in our lives are things that we really don't want people to know about. And we get used to carrying them, dealing with them. Now, this, this uh, disability that this man had was very obvious. But so many of the things that we deal with are not so obvious. And they can hang around for a really long time. The heater's working. But don't lose hope. Whatever this situation could be in our lives, do not lose hope. Because losing hope and using excuses could disqualify us from a miracle happening in our lives because we're, we're not reaching for it. We're not still trying to get out of it. We're not still trying to help it go away or asking the Lord to take it away in our lives or letting go of it ourselves. Sometimes it's us. We have lived with something for so long how would we live without it? God, help us. And so, after this miracle, the Jews were infuriated 
They were so mad. And they found him. And they stated to Jesus, it is the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed to the man. He said, you can't do this. And the man answered to them. He said, he made me whole. The same said to me, take up thy bed and walk. Would the religious leaders today look at us when Jesus delivers us from something and say, that's not possible. You can't do that. Now, I can imagine if we had Pharisees today that they had this flip chart, little, little you know, laminated flip chart of all of the laws that were possible to be broken so that they could just catch people and say, that's wrong. You can't do that. And Jesus started just, I'm sorry, but he started putting it in their face. This, this isn't right. You're not doing. You're not believing. You don't really believe this. And this trial starts happening. It's not the ultimate trial that's going to happen in Jesus' life. But a trial starts going on. And when you get down to around verse 17, Jesus answered the Pharisees. He says, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. When my father wants me to do something. And there is a need. It doesn't matter when it is, who it is, or what it is. I'm going to do it. Why? Because he cares for us. He wants us to be better. He's really introducing to the Pharisees who he really is. And after he said that I'm going to do what my father tells me to do, it wasn't Joseph that they were thinking of that he meant. No, it was very obvious to the Pharisees that he was making this connection of himself and what he's doing to the God of heaven because he was God manifested in the flesh and they didn't want to see it. They were already mad, but in verse 18, it says, Therefore the Jews sought the more. How could they get more infuriated at him? Well, they did. They sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, the rule book, come on, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. 
And so Jesus begins to share with them what they don't believe and who they do not want to be aligned with. And he talks, starts talking about that you can't even go out and be in the wilderness and listen to John, the voice that is crying in the wilderness, that you need to repent. You need to change. You need to be different than you are. And he tells us that we need to be different than who we are if we are not lined up with his word. If God impresses something on us that we need to be doing this, we shouldn't be doing this. Whether it's from a positive perspective or a negative perspective. God wants us to line ourselves up in the middle and be like him. And John started that message in the wilderness, calling the people to repentance. And he also baptized Jesus, not because he wanted to. What am I baptizing you for? I need what you have, Sister Esther. That's right. I know it's fine. I need what you have. What, 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 do you, what do you mean you want me to baptize you? Well, there was something that was going to happen, and there was a precedent that needed to be set. And Jesus was baptized of John. And in that situation, God spoke and said, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But the Pharisees didn't want to have anything to do with it. They didn't believe that witness. You see, Jesus is bringing out witnesses to the Pharisees. And he's causing this to happen. Because they need to know, they need to know what needs to change in their lives. I needed to know what needed to be changed in my life. And I still need to know what needs to be changed in my life to be more like him. And so Jesus pulled out that first witness, but not first witness chronologically, John said that this is the man, told his disciples, you need to follow him. So John told his disciples, no, it's not me. I am going to decrease, but he is going to increase, and you need to follow him. Not all of them did, because in Acts, we find people that still lived by the baptism of John, which was an awesome witness and an awesome life to live, but there was more to be had. And they found out. But several, I don't know how many, we know a few specifically, that followed Jesus right away. And they had been John's disciples. But then Jesus says, well...
my heavenly father said who I was in that baptism. Not only did John say who I was, but the father said who I was right then and there. So second witness. And then the hardest for the Pharisees to swallow at all. Because the Pharisees prided themselves in following the law. That was their, look at me. Kind of, you know, the example of the publican and the Pharisee in prayer. And the Pharisee prays, I thank God that I am not like the others. Especially him. I do this and I do that and I, I tithe of the very spices that I have. Now let's get nitpicky, okay? And let's just put ourselves hmm, way up there. You know, ramrod straight. Dressed to the nines. But not a care, not a thought for those that were less, had less. Heaven forbid they go visit the pool where the real needs were. So they stood on this law that they felt with every fiber of their being that they lived by it. And Jesus pointed out scripture after scripture that Moses himself had said that he would fulfill. References in Genesis 3 and 15. There's going to be one coming that is going to step on the serpent. And the serpent will bite his heel. That first prophecy. In Genesis 49 and 10 and Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, you can go on and on. But these are just the prophecies of Moses, whom the Pharisees just lived to please Moses. But Jesus said, mm -mm. you don't even believe what he says. You have taken the legalism. Actually, you have made it legalistic. Because the law was just a guideline to help us know wrong in our lives. Not to give us a rule book that you can barely hold. That would be the modified one. Because they took the law and they added all kinds of things to the law that were ridiculous. Sorry, I don't want to offend anybody. But some of those things were ridiculous. 
We, in our world that we live in today, and we still have laws on the books that are unbelievable. I remember my dad telling me about one, and I don't remember where. I, I know that this is true overseas, too, but I think in, in the eastern United States, it is, it is against the law to spit on the sidewalk. I mean, and, and, and I guess that, that law is still on the books. It's not enforced, but it's still on the books. But if you were a Pharisee, you would have that listed in your card file that you're carrying around. No, 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 you can't do that. You took one step too many. What do you mean you can do good things on the Sabbath? And they had turned around the instruction that God had given us for good living and turned it into a prison that nobody could live by. What do you mean nobody could live by? Well, they, they couldn't even live by it. They made it look like they did, but they didn't. Jesus wants us to believe who he came to be and who he is today in our lives or who he wants to be today in our lives. Jesus Christ is the Savior of our souls. He provided a way that we could reconnect spiritually with God in heaven and get us ready to be out of here. There's coming a day, and it better not be too long from now. It should not be too long from now. I can't believe that it's going to be too long from now, even though I've been hearing that preached for 40-some years, <laughs> almost 50. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How much more needs to happen before he comes? I don't know. Nobody knows, but he knows when he's going to turn and say, okay, you can blow it now. I think Gabriel's just, yeah, are we ready? Can we do it yet? I don't know. But it, he wants us to feel like that about it. He says that we should look up. And in that looking up, we are recognizing who he is and what he plans to help us with. And we need to know and realize what he can help us with right now. Don't lose hope. I believe that man had absolutely lost hope. He couldn't even give an absolute faith-filled answer to Jesus. I just can't do it, and nobody can help me. Sometimes I just can't do it, and I think that nobody can help me. But it's not true. It's not true. Jesus wants to help us. He wants to meet our every need no matter what it is, how long it's been happening, and 
I don't know. You, you fill in some more descriptors of troubles that we could have in our lives. They could be, I, I don't know, but he does. He cares for us. So you can look at scriptures. You can look at this book from the first page to the last page. And the story is, the purpose is that God cares about us. And he came to this earth from the very beginning. He made provision. He said to Adam and Eve that I have a plan. And the man that we know as Jesus, born in a manger who became our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No longer a physical man, but a transformed man that ascended to heaven and sent his spirit back for us so that we can have the gift of the Holy Ghost. So we can have his leading and guiding in our lives to meet our needs. And so today, don't wait any longer. Don't be like the man at the pool of Bethesda that lays there for 38 years. Now, there was a purpose. And Jesus was going to make a point. He was going to make another point to the Pharisees, to the people, to the Jews, that I'm going to do this. This is what I came for. This is who I am, and you need to believe me. But today in our lives, search. If you need evidence, if you need evidence to know who he is, just look. Just read. Find a pastor you can ask questions with. We, we don't have Pastor Glover with us today. And Sister Glover, they're, they're traveling. They're going to be back soon. We're going to see him on Thursday, Lord willing, and the planes all work and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But we're going to see him on Thursday. And we missed him while they weren't here. But we can search with him. And there God puts other people in our lives that will help us see what this book says. And know from beginning to end that he is the Christ. And he came for a specific purpose in our lives. So don't wait 38 years. You don't have to. Find someone to help you have faith. Or just reach up, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like Brother Mitch said in Tuesday prayer, pray that God heals our faith. If we have a crack or a broken part of our faith, God, heal my faith so that I can believe who you are and what you can do for me. Thank you so much. I appreciate um, the opportunity to share the word with you, and I look forward to worship in just a few minutes. God bless you.